0: Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Trapped
1: Under Plastic, the podcast for the miniature hobby enthusiast. I like how you made that, our tagline, and I wasn't, it was never brought to a vote, the board. No. Never agreed on that. What well, would you have voted if there was a vote? I would vote lukewarm. Lukewarm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, all right, I'm too lazy to come up with something else. So Exa- we'll... you
0: know, sometimes that's just yeah.
1: The best solution is just the easiest solution. Which right.
0: Last night we learned was called Occam's Razor. Right. Occam's Razor. You taught me while well, you were drunk.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Why was I drunk?
0: You were drunk because yesterday we shot drunk mini painting number two yeah. spiritually number three, right? Uh, literally number two. Right. Well, <laughs> no. Spiritually, it's number two. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Um, we it's a shot a number two talk. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we shot it. Uh, we had a lot of fun doing it. Uh, the drinks we used were were Games Workshop themed drinks. I don't want to spoil what they what they were, but it felt good because it was more of like a a hobby related endeavor. It did. Yeah, it did.
1: And we had. I mean, we're upping the production quality. Oh yeah. Too. We had another person not painting no no they were our bartender um
0: so we had a a a person named derek (laughs) that's his name (laughs) a Um, person named derek it's an odd way to describe somebody (laughs) he's a bartender as his job um and he volunteered to make some thematic drinks for us and so he did that and it was great and we had some fun shots with him making the drinks and it's gonna be good Mm -hmm. sprinkled throughout the vid
1: yeah he's a mini painting bartender yes i don't think he he is i don't think he paints minis while he's tending bar though
0: yeah well no other bar is gonna touch him now after the drinks he made for us because (laughs) (laughs) bartending career ruined
1: yeah we we tend to ruin careers by (laughs) associating with us us. uh so that's good but so we're i mean energy might be a little bit lower today oh right yeah yeah we should explain that why is that yeah I'm just
0: kind of sleepy. Yeah, we stayed up till three in the morning. Yeah, just watching YouTube
1: videos, eating snacks, <laughs> eating Yeah, and then we woke up at eight. <laughs> right. So yeah, I woke up that you that room your guest bedroom gets so light in the morning when the sun comes yes. up. Yes, it was at like six o'clock. I'm like, Fuh. yeah, because that <laughs> that
0: room is on the side of the house that the sun rises on. Mm. Yeah, so you get
1: some. Yeah, that's bright. So I I was pretty. Pretty low on the sleep number. My sleep number was low. Solid four hours. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it was solid. <laughs> <laughs> all right,
0: all right. Moving on. You got some dungeon doors in your hobby room. What exactly does this mean? What does that even
1: mean? Yeah. Um, well, I, I have this big closet in my hobby space. And I decided I wanted to put double sliding doors, like sliding barn doors on you it. You decided that? I decided that. But... Didn't your wife decide that? She agreed to it. I which, thought she liked the double door. Yeah. <laughs> Dumbledore. She likes the Dumbledores. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't like Dumbledores for Pretty <laughs> um, She agreed that it was a, uh, the best idea rather than like having a custom made folding, bifold closet door kind oh, of Oh, kind of
0: like that. It's not custom-made, but that kind of bifolding thing? Right, okay. because
1: the space is... The the size of the closet is a really odd um, shape in terms of width. So we have to have that custom-made. So if we're going to do that, I'm going to order some some doors, some big sliding doors. And mm. so I had them um, designed to look like dungeon doors. And they got the big rivets on them. And they have a big cast iron double pull handles and wow look at this um, guy is it a walk-in closet technically it is but it's not that
0: deep it's like four feet deep you have so many minis in there that it is no longer a walk-in closet
1: i know you know you can't get in there now it's all full (laughs) of tubs full of plastic (laughs) and camera gear mostly camera gear oh yeah and and you know tripods and lighting and okay okay. diddly bits (laughs) you know that's my favorite part about cinematography is the diddly bits yeah you never have too many aka rigging equipment right yeah rigging yeah. equipment yeah <laughs> All right. um so yeah maybe i'll show a picture up on the screen for those that are watching on youtube
0: yeah are your cheeks warm again no no i'm good i am a normal temperature but yeah last night i was burning up yeah you were warm uh another story for you guys i uh, own or did own <laughs> <laughs> still technically owned yeah yeah an ultrasonic cleaner and uh what prompted me buying one was I, I watched this guy use it to strip plastic models with this chemical compound i forget the name of it but it performs better as it heats up and ultrasonic cleaners heat up the liquid that's inside of them but he did this really cool test where he was stripping a plastic airplane a model kit and he used like the, the paint that was used on this is like enamel and it's like it's like five years old and like after three rounds of like the two minute long ultrasonic cleaning sessions, it fucking stripped it bare. Whoa. And I was like, that's I'm sold. Like, but in my experience of using an ultrasonic cleaner, it never works that well, <laughs> uh, for anything that I put in there. Oh, um, and so recently I bought Conrad. Oh my God. Is that his name? Conrad von Hmm. Um, And he was painted already. I bought him off eBay. And so I wanted to strip him. And I love stripping metal models because it's so easy. You just use acetone. Yeah, you can use the harshest of stuff. Yeah, and it just melts off. It's the only time in my brain that stripping miniatures ever works like I want it to work. Mm -hmm. Because for every other application of stripping, it's just a total pain in the ass. And I've tried a lot of different stuff just to see what works. And honestly, nothing works for plastic models unless... Someone's got a better idea. And don't you say Simple Green. In the, <laughs> Simple Green sucks uh, yeah. at stripping stuff. You've experienced this too, right? Yeah.
1: I, I And I heard rumors or whispers that like the formula has changed and the there was an old version yes, of Simple Green I, yes. that worked mm-hmm. or not available in America. You could still get it elsewhere That's worked.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I heard that as well.
1: You kind of beat me to the punch of you saying that stripping models and the... Uh, uh, ultrasonic cleaner never works that so we're going to have 50 comments below of it works perfect every time i do it it works great you must be doing something wrong
0: well i guess what we should we should work out here is what is what is perfect mean to you right perfect to me is spotless there's not paint left on it mm-hmm. the worst part is that the paint that's easy to get off is the paint that's in easy to reach areas because right. the toothbrush can hit it right but what doesn't come off is the stuff in the recesses which is the stuff you want to come off yeah. that's what obscures your detail yeah right so unless you can get models 97% spotless uh shipping has never really worked great for me no me anyways not. the story is here ultrasonic <laughs> cleaners have plastic elements in them where there's the top of and this one had like a, uh, like, a like a plastic uh, ceiling to it so you could see through and see what's being cleaned um it also had a plastic basket in it and in my infinite wisdom mm-hmm I put acetone inside the ultrasonic cleaner to run Conrad through it. Okay. Just to kind of get it done fast. I was like let's see if this if the agitation plus the the acetone makes it come off even faster than just putting it in a still still bath of acetone. And immediately <laughs> immediately I was like I've made a grave mistake. <laughs> the moment I hit the on button, the, the all of the look it became cloudy white. Uh, it was oh. like <laughs> A smoke bomb had gone off inside, <laughs> and the basket is, is white, and I was like, fuck. Uh, and so I realized immediately that I was melting the basket. <laughs> <laughs> so I took it out. Uh, and what happened to the display window that you usually be able to look so through the lid on? Dude, it's, it's totally white. It's crinkled. It's dripping <laughs> melted plastic from the the fumes that was still in there after the fact. Oh, my God. Okay, acetone melts plastic, so... <gasps> Be smarter than me.
1: <laughs> Don't put it in your ultrasonic cleaner.
0: No, no. Unless no. you have an ultrasonic cleaner with no plastic parts. I suppose so. You know, like one of those fancy, for like a jewelry cleaner
1: or something yeah, like that. They maybe. probably got all metal
0: ones. Um, they probably do.
1: Okay. So, but I mean, is he, is Von Karsten stripped? He's stripped and he yeah. is, I'd say 70% painted. Did you let it run and you're like, it's too late now. Yep. I was like, just keep
0: him in there. I took the basket out, but it was still all like foggy and all stuff. Right. And I was like, just keep running it. So I ran it for a few sessions. And then it came off. There was no residue of like plastic on him. Oh. Because that... it's still all liquid, you know? True. If I let all the acetone evaporate, he'd probably be entombed
1: in plastic <laughs> in the bottom. It's a new hobby project. <laughs> how to make Han Solo out of your minis. A <laughs> little acetone a little... Idiocy. <laughs> yes. And you too can do that. Um, <laughs> I had something to share and I forgot what it was. I've got something to say. Um, I murdered your baby today. Didn't matter. You know that song? It, yeah. Kind of.
0: I just think it's off a load from Metallica. Oh, but it's a, it's, it's a misfit song though. It's, it's a
1: punk song that, it's uh, from garage ink. Then. Is it garage Inc? Wasn't Load reload? Garage Inc is where they do all the covers. Okay. So then yeah, it's garage Inc. Okay. Um, so, I have an IKEA display case. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, the the Detolf, the, classic dude, the classic Detolf. Everybody got Detolf. Everyone got six. I only got one.
0: <laughs> Every corner of their rooms. Yeah, and so Detolf.
1: the Detolf's home. I love how you say. It. Can you say it again for me? The Detolf. Oh, <laughs> it's home. Uh, since I've owned it and put it together, is uh, it was up in the guest bedroom on our downstairs. And I decided I need to bring it down to the, the hobby basement, obviously. Yeah. So yeah hobby the hobby basement needs to come down there. The man cave. Down to the man cave. But it's down, like, I don't know, seven, sta- seven stairs. And the thing is entirely made of glass. And it's Ikea build. So, yeah. A little rickety. A little but also rickety. extremely heavy. Yes. Extremely heavy. And I was way too lazy to take it apart. Oh, no. Because I'm like, look, it's going to take me a long time to take it apart. And... Where it connects to the top and the bottom, of the case is the only parts that aren't glass, and it is their chipboard stuff. Yeah, and I'm yeah, worried yeah. about taking out all the the bolts. Yeah, and then it's stripping yep. in that chipboard, and I'm, it's gonna be like it doesn't go back together. Right. So I'm like, well, I'm just gonna keep it all together and take it down the stairs like that. Does someone help you? My wife ended up helping me. I tried to do it on my own, and I almost fell backwards down the stairs holding it in front of me. Oh, my God. You could have died. That would have been man dies carrying little plastic toy case downstairs. Dude, that's spooky. So I'm like, okay. So I did get her help, and we had to, like, like, lean it slightly back, but we didn't want to lean it too far because everything's kind of feels like it's, like, put in there by gravity in the weight of the plexiglass or whatever it's made out of okay and so not everything is like secured to everything else it's kind of like a box that if you just pull the right spot the whole thing falls (laughs) down and so taking that downstairs was scary so i did that and then long ago i had um purchased a kit to put lights in it when i say a kit um i mean i just bought a string of leds Uh and these connector uh, pieces that along with um, some soldering equipment, you can like customize exactly where you want the lights oh. and, and run all the wires down the side and Did hide everything. Uh, no, I got too lazy. Okay. Um, I bought everything for it. <laughs> and then I found out the connector things that I bought that just were not reliable. And they were, they had a plastic piece where it went into the led strip that sticks out kind of far. And so when you would adhere it, it would like come down a bit on the edge. And so I just, I did some test runs and it just looked ugly and you like saw it too much. So I just ran the, the whole thing as a rope. It was like a big upside down U shape <laughs> through the side and the top and down the other side of the glass case. And it was super easy to do. It It took me like five minutes. It actually looks pretty good. Nice. And that way you get to decide where you want the the actual light to be because you want it towards the front of the case, not like directly in the middle. Because if you do that, then you get like a pure zenithal and and the more like the front facing part of the miniature is more in shadow because that's your main light. You want Mm -hmm, it towards mm -hmm. it a little bit more in front so you can see the the kind of the front of the miniature not directly above it from the light source. Yeah. And it worked out pretty cool. So I just like ran it an, an inch inside the whole seam, and drilled one hole in so I could hide the cord. And it's got a little switcher so I can turn it on and off. And there's probably m- much more efficient and nicer looking options than the one I did. But sounds nice. So you know, you're talking about this, and uh, it reminds me of an
0: article I read a long time ago off of Massive Voodoo about how to take a Detolf off and make it better for miniature like display cases. And the key thing he does is. He puts felt at all the intersections of the glass so that dust can't get in. And so I mm. wanted to ask you, someone who's owned it for a while, do your models get dusty in there? Is the glass getting dusty? Um, the
1: glass was a bit dusty. I've had it for probably about two years.
0: Okay, so that means that there's some there dust, is in the dust minis. going in there.
1: Yeah, and I've heard—I don't know if it was from that article or somewhere else—that there is some like little like foam bumper things that you can even buy at like Home Depot. Yeah, that you can run those and all those. The four corner gaps. Actually, the the back side, they have these plastic, sh- like plastic L L grooves. Uh, it's an extra piece that goes in the the back two walls. Okay. So that is completely cut off from air nice. and the top. Is so it's nice. only the gap around the door, that is the only place that it's getting in. Okay. So it, it didn't not a lot. You couldn't really. I can't ever really t- sell it on the minis, but you can see it on the glass. There was a little bit of dust in there. Dude, it makes me
0: want to make a video about taking that thing and making it like a cool miniature cabinet because obviously it's dark as fuck. But if I had like two strips running down like the middle column and then up the sides and then I put something that was air blocking in the doors, would that be a cool video or would that be garbage? That'd be garbage,
1: but might be easy to do though. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's like this, this Venn diagram of where does garbage and easy to do meet? <laughs> <laughs> all right all right that's our stories
0: those are our stories those are our hobby stories those are fun <laughs> we had a lot of stories this week good job Dude. us high fives yeah
1: high fives <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot about a high five last night you got that
0: oh yeah blindfolded yeah 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 that was a uh... That was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> we were uh, so happy about ourselves. <laughs> yeah, we didn't smack each other in the faces. Anyways, that's for a, a new, another new video, non-drunk mini painting mm-hmm. coming out. Um, out of what we painted for this week, uh, I can't remember who went first last time. I will just go. You go. Uh, I painted five blood knights and ten dire wolves, and I painted some vampire lords. Um, t- they're not done, but they're somewhere in b- in between. Um. And I did it in a 38-hour painting spree, uh, which you probably already know. If, if you saw the video, if not, it's linked in the description. But I wanted to see how long I could paint for before I had to give up. And it was 38 hours.
1: 38 hours is the number? I could paint for longer. Yeah. You used to like, what was your stop? Like, you got to a point in the painting process where you're like, okay, I got the wolves all done. Uh, I'm, yeah. I, you know? You know, I didn't say this in the video. I
0: wish I had a... I thought of it uh, while I was doing it. I was like, the barrier is not a physical one. It's a mental one. It's Mm -hmm. like, oh my God, I can't do another unit. I can't start another unit. I can't go through this again. Uh, Especially after spending 33 hours painting five (laughs) fucking mud nights. Yeah, dude. That's a lot of time. That's so much time. That's six hours. It's over six hours in miniature for just a cavalry unit, cavalry. Someone's going to give me shit for saying (laughs) cavalry. Um, anyways. Yeah. So that was intense. Um, I could have gone for longer. What stopped me was it was Wednesday at 10 and that's when I go to bed. Normally it's 10 PM and I needed to go to sleep so I could wake up on Thursday and then make a video for Friday. (laughs) That was Um, the reasoning for stopping. It was truth. Truthfully. Um, I spent so much time putting the fricking models together. Yeah. Um, Had I known I wasn't ever going to get to the zombie dragons, I probably could have not done them, but I guess they're done now and they're based nicely. So I yeah. have to do that later. But yeah.
1: Yeah. Your barrier of getting to the, the whole army done is a lot lower now. Yeah. Doesn't that whole army still have five more blood knights in it though? Don't even. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's another, so I got to convert them and do five more. Oh yeah. shoot. That's gonna be the that's your your giant boulder to finishing this army. Yeah, the
0: rest is fine. Yep. I'm excited about paying Neferata. I'm excited mm-hmm. about the vampire lords. hmm Um the chain wraps are gonna be easy as friggin' Yeah Sunday morning, dude. Um so yeah, those are gonna be fine. But yeah. yeah. That's what I did. My hand is numb, it is still numb. People have told me that it is carpal syndrome carpal tunnel syndrome, people have told me that it is uh a pinched nerve. Uh all I know is that I need to take some break from fine motor skills to give it time to recuperate. It's your
1: left hand, right? It's my left hand, yeah. So you can't hold the model anymore. No, that's the holding hand, right? Yeah, so you need to just sticky tack it to the table and you have to move around. Hey, that's not a bad idea. mini. <laughs> Yeah, that's when you say at
0: what cost? <laughs> at what cost? <laughs> and it's the cost of my left hand. No, it's not. It's fine. It doesn't. It's not that bad. It's getting very slowly better. Um, but yeah, we're on like day seven or something.
1: Yeah, if it's not better in a month, I'll uh, we'll use that meat cleaver upstairs and we'll just get rid of it. <laughs> and then we'll just squish the meat cleaver's handle end into your hole, and oh, so you have cleaver hand.
0: Cleaver hand. Oh, that's honestly better than having a hand. Right.
1: In most situations, what would you rather have? A hand. Or a big meat cleaver. Yeah, then my career as a serial killer can get started. <laughs> right. It's like, I never have to worry about finding a weapon to kill my people. It's, it's, it's a it. part of me. <laughs> yeah. Scott the meat hooky maniac. <laughs> <laughs> wait, is it a meat hook or is it a meat cleaver? Oh meat hook sounded nicer, but it's not really a meat hook. Okay, it's a meat cleaver. And that's why like all the victims are so confused and they end up dying. Be- like, wait, what? It's like, why? A... It's like, why does it say meat hook? It's a meat cleaver. <laughs> And then we have the makings of a horror uh, little screenplay coming up, right? Right. Here. Yeah, this is brainstorm. You guys are seeing behind the Actors Guild the, studio, right. whatever. This is the creative process right now in progress. <laughs> you ever wonder what it looks like? It's not pretty. No. <laughs> it's not really good. It's two sleep deprived idiots <laughs>
0: <laughs> talking about putting a meat cleaver in my hand, but it's not a meat cleaver. Oh, no, it is a meat cleaver, but we call yeah. it a meat hook. Right. All right,
1: moving on.
0: <laughs> uh, are you going to drink something right now?
1: No, apparently not. No, not okay. What did you paint? I painted my first ever. Oh, I'm not done yet, but painted my first ever Primaris Space Marine. <gasps> I know your
0: first ever. The Welcome first. to the club. I know.
1: Like I painted, I painted a lot of Plague Marines, which yeah Death are Guard. very similar. Yeah, Death Guard, which are very similar to uh, Space Marines Primaris you, in terms of size. Have you painted a lot? Of those? Yeah. yeah. I probably painted one. Six. <laughs> oh no, I painted a whole unit of Terminators. Yeah. Five of them, right? Death Guard Terminators, yeah. I've painted that the tank. actual Death Guard model, the dude like three of those. So Oh you have? Yeah. Oh well, well, one of them is class. One's from my crystal brush. My crystal brush. And ooh, maybe just two. Okay. So you've painted seven Death Well, actually them. I have two more that are half painted that originally that crystal brush piece. Was gonna be a unit oh, for the unit category, Wow. and so I had two more that are half painted. Oh, okay, cool. So, when I realized the time was not on my side, right? And if I was gonna enter something in the competition, it's gonna be one model, not all a unit. Understandable.
0: Okay, cool. So you 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 understand what it's like to paint a chunky space marine?
1: Yes. Okay. Um, it's I mean it's and it sounds so obvious, and uh, everybody knows it but I just kind of hadn't like dawned on me until actually sitting down and painting one was how much of that model is all the same color. Yeah. <laughs> it's like 95%. And I mean, especially that helmet on. Oh, yeah. It's like all the same color. It makes, I wonder,
0: I, w- I don't I don't wanna I don't think it's that's done that way to make the painting easier. No. But holy hell does it make the painting it easier? Sure does. You can you can slap out a space marine army with slap an airbrush. It a dude, yeah. Airbrush, a little gloss varnish,
1: a little oil wash. Dude, yeah. You can do a whole army at the same time. You crush, dude. Yeah. And they look so good. Like it doesn't seem to take much the way that they have the amount of detail on them and if you can can do the the black panel lining right, which what I ended up using was um, I showed you, you, you saw it last night, my tiny, tiny brush. Yeah, the frick. <laughs> so I have this really, it's kind of a short, uh, bristled uh, synthetic brush. And I took my hobby knife to it right where it met the ferrule. And I I cut, I twisted the brush while I cut the bristles off until right. there were only, there's like five bristles left on the brush. Yeah.
0: It's the tiniest thing in the world. And I was like, what on earth do you use that piece of
1: garbage for? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, uh, I built that for use with oil paints because you can have very, you know, thin, tiny brush and the paint won't dry like acrylics. Exactly. It makes total sense. But what I use it for with the space Marines, I use that brush with black ink to do the black panel lining. And because it's so fluid, um, you can you kind of have to do one little section at a time. Like, I'll do this one little thing around his wrist that's got the little lines or whatever. It's like, do zoop, 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 do those lines. The black ink is very fluid, so it kind of does a little work for you. And then you quickly rinse out the brush, dry it off, and do get more black ink and do it the same thing. And that worked quite well, and I didn't get flow over. And if you get, like, oh, it went a little bit outside the lines, you do the old trick where you just, like, run your thumb over it quick. Yeah, and you don't hit the recess. Yep, yep, and so... Did you use flow
0: improver did you, or is it just straight up black just ink? Just straight
1: up black ink out of the pot.
0: Are, are you using dollar and roundy?
1: FW dollar and roundy, yep.
0: Okay. Interesting. I need some more black ink. My Citadel black ink has finally run out. Just yeah. straight up. I wonder
1: if you did flow improver if you could do larger sections at once. Probably could. I mean, at that point, you're just making a watch. I'm making, yeah. I was just doing one because this this, uh, Space Marine is for a video. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so there's a, lot a reason. Yeah, <laughs> everything's for a video. I have so much footage. Yeah, and no John's videos made so much because the <laughs>
0: biggest barrier to entry is how the fuck does Premiere Pro work? Right, <laughs> I don't know how to so edit every shit going I,
1: on. I'm feeling I got just a little bit of confidence in the actual filming part of filming of of the mini painting process. I'm feeling just a slight amount of confidence that that doesn't look like Garbo okay yeah it's the now the next big hurdle is get all that footage together and sit in front of the editing station and go Arr. dude you never really know what it's gonna look like until you put it in
0: premiere pro and you're like god damn it there's a wire right there are <laughs> you like god damn it, my head's in the way or you're always gonna realize yeah. something it's part of the part of the joy of being a one man crew
1: right i um, realize it's like all right i got like six hours of footage of painting this figure one good thing from the editing perspective is I can immediately cut like four hours just without even thinking because I wasn't in frame correctly. Yeah, <laughs> Find the footage that's in focus and in frame and use that. Such an art.
0: So everyone, I want to take a class from Saurastro just about how to get the shot in focus. Yeah. I wonder if he has a bunch of wasted footage. He's Sirastro. got it, Sirastro, have you listened to this podcast at all? which you're probably more you're probably too wholesome of a person to listen to us assholes. But if you listen to this, tell me, do you have like what percentage of your footage that you shoot is wasted? I feel like for me, it's somewhere between 30 and 40% of my footage is totally garbage and I have to delete hmm. cuz I'm being a dummy.
1: But you got to make decisions anyway on what to keep and what not to. So True. there's there's some value in that. It's like, okay, I don't have to go through 8 hours of looking through stuff. I'm immediately cutting three of it. Yeah. So I've made my work long term a little bit better. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. So Space Marine question. What chapter? Iron Hands.
0: You're so loud. Uh those are Silver Boys? Yes. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Second question Do you have the Tamiya panel liner with the enamel one? No. It comes with a brush in
1: the lid. It looks like the Tamiya clear. Yeah, that same kind of square thing? glass thing. Yep.
0: But there's a brush inside the lid, so it's super handy because you don't need to ever have to get like a brush to do your enamels That's kind with. Of nice. It's very nice. It's very good for painting. Is it a very dark black? It's, it's black. Oh.
1: I think I've seen you use that in a video. I might have, yeah. For a space frame, I feel like it'd work great. Yeah. If the brush is decent. Yeah, it's tiny. It's a little skinny boy.
0: Okay. It's I not it's not at. as skinny as your five bristle <laughs> insane thingy. Yeah. Um but yeah. Alright. Well, that's what we painted. What, what did you painted? guys paint? Let us know in the comment section below or in the Facebook group. All things linked in the description. Um, or you can listen on Patreon if you're one of our patrons
1: yeah right yeah I think that's a good thing to get back on that horse of uh, sharing holding yourself accountable you know if Absolutely. I feel like I have to share in the Facebook group every episode what I've been painting lately then maybe that's gonna help me instead of watching the next episode of I don't know Black Mirror I'm gonna Black Mirror. Plant, I'm gonna paint tonight too yes, or I'll do of... both oh yeah you can listen I've never been able to do that. I can't. The only TV shows or movies that I can engage in while I'm painting is stuff that I've watched a lot of times, and I don't need to (laughs) physically look at it. Yeah, yeah. The
0: Office, Prime Candidate.
1: Yeah, The Office is. I've watched. I probably watched more Office hours at this point while painting than I have not. Are you an audio person? Do you listen to music or watch TV shows while you paint? Um, Usually, I just have on. Twitch streams, Okay. Because okay. it's something like, it to me, it creates this kind of background noise that also feels like you're kind of doing the hobby together with somebody. Sure, yeah. And so then I can chime in and chatty chat if I want if something to say, something snarky to add, <laughs> the combo. Um, and otherwise, I'm just kind of following along with them. Occasionally, I'll look up and see what how much progress they've made. Because many painting, live streaming – so little gets done in any like 20 or 30 minute block of time, right? So it can be tough to just like glue your face to it, sure. But like, if I'm watch, I'm following along over a two, three, four hour stream, you know, I'll get to see the progress while I'm also working. So I like that's that. what I do. What do you do? I, I listen to the cold, silent, black of the night. Nothing, yeah. there's some I, I do that often too, though. There's yeah. nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I don't, I don't like i don't know i usually don't listen to music for whatever reason with it i know i feel like i should do that more because i think
0: i talked about it in an episode of the podcast where i intentionally listened to music and told amber i couldn't talk to her for two hours and my phone away for two hours and i was like Droom! like
1: everything went black other than what was in front of my <laughs> face so i feel like it's a it's a good tool to use yeah i th- i think that's probably smart i think that's more about setting up your uh your, your mind around the understanding of what you're doing and the boundaries of what it is. Yeah. And then whether you listen to music, if you knew you were disconnected and you're only focusing on this for this four hour block, um, whether there was music there or not probably isn't the key part to it, but okay. it may be help with your flow state. Flow state. Let's just use that phrase again. Okay. We used it. Oh, Ryan, right,
0: on to the topic for today, which is about rules in miniature painting and you know is it harmful to the community the topic comes from one of our patrons beasticorn beasticorn who's awesome he supported me on my personal patreon and also on on the podcast as well so shout out to you beasticorn if you're curious about our patreon one of the rewards i think one of three uh is that you get the ability to suggest topics and then we'll shout you out in a video also you sang his name amazing beasticorn that it was very John Ralphio. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Sit down. Listen here. I'm going to take you to the club. Work the club. No, work the floor. Okay, I can't even do it. I can't even do it. All right. Yeah. So, All right, so
1: I want to read his exact wording yeah, of the do question. It. Do, it. Um, do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Okay. I'm going to do it. I'm trying to be more like John Raffio. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> is the miniature painting community. Com-
0: <laughs> We're starting Ooh. out a rough
1: buddy. Hey, words are tough. Is the miniature painting community held back by too many rules or the idea that miniature painting has rules? What ties us in general to this idea of painting with the formula instead of something more abstract or expressive like we see commonly in other art forms? Well articulated. So I wanted to... Very well I wanted to share his word for word question because, I mean, he was point. Yeah, he, he was very intentional. I like the... Or the idea, just the idea that miniature painting has rules, right? And to me, to, wow. st- to start this off, it is all about that—that that it it's an idea, and they aren't there aren't rules, but that's how we label them. Huh. Okay,
0: that's so many questions. So many questions. Now, so he he compared it to other art forms that are more abstract. Uh, do you think,
1: in general, other art forms have
0: less? The impression is that they have less rules.
1: I think when you like kind of look back to the what you call like the masters or, or the time of enlightenment around two-dimensional or even three-dimensional art and you think about, you know, like Rembrandt and Van Gogh and all those guys, um, it feels like they didn't have rules, right? And I don't know how much of that is true and how much of that is kind of manufactured by this rosy lenses of time, hmm. Hmm. but like if you go through like formal art school now like there's a lot of rules in oil painting you know? yeah. there's a lot of rules in figure sculpting there's a lot of rules in illustration Um. okay well that, that may be the truth but
0: I'm curious about what you think the impression is do you I think, think th- the average person's impression of miniature
1: painting is that there are more rules than oil painting I think so I think so because we're looking at it from a a different perspective. Most of us aren't traditional experienced uh, artists. And so we look at this form as something that has all this structure because much of that structure that it was built on is a foundation of not having artists perform the craft. Whereas Mm. oil painting and all that kind of stuff it's it's like its roots are in an artist create the artist creative process which is less about rules and more about creating a statement or using emotion or color and light and whatever and so it feels like one feels much more free and and open than the other okay interesting your brain i can like hear it turning yeah very slowly (laughs) very slowly the gears in my brain okay let's go back to this question at hand and talk about yes what are the rules like you want to do that first i think i think we can define what we're what we're referring to when we say rules and we're we're not going to list them all because we probably don't know them all um and again, we're using rules in quotation marks. There are procedural rules? Yes. There are rules where it's like, okay, the process is base
0: coat, wash, mm-hmm. layer, layer, layer. There are procedures that are like prime, zenithal prime. Uh, use zenithal prime as a as an inspiration for where to put your highlights and shadows. That's procedural. There are specific rules that are like, you can't highlight red with white because mm-hmm. it looks
1: pink. Mm-hmm. Uh... What about rules around the you know the the products and tools that we use? Oh man, there was millions of those. Yeah, R- rules that you have to paint with acrylic paint. Is rules that, uh-huh. that you, yeah, yeah, you have to paint a mini with with acrylic paint. Man, you can't oh. paint it with enamel paints. You can't paint it with oil paints. You can't paint it with watercolors. You can't paint it. You know, it's got to be acrylic paint, right? Um, you know you, you know the kinds of brushes we use. The you, you know you should use a wet palette. You should thin your paints. That's a good one. Right? Are you uh, Are you firing on white pellets right now? No, I'm just saying these are kind of established rules. I'm not saying that they're right or wrong. Okay. I'm just saying that these are the things that are like not written in stone anywhere, but we all kind of, in some regard, we all have agreed to them. Right. You know, that this is better than this. You need right.
0: to wear a mask while you're airbrushing.
1: You need to wear a mask while you're airbrushing. You need to wear gloves while you're airbrushing. Yeah.
0: Because toxic chemi- chemicals will absorb into your body. Right.
1: You can't rattle can uh, when it's colder than XYZ or warmer uh, than ABC outside.
0: Yeah, yeah. Or if the moisture is at a certain amount. Yep.
1: Or the moon is in its peak or something. Um, yeah, exactly. The yeah the solar eclipse is occurring yes (laughs) you cannot you'll turn into a werewolf if you airbrush (laughs) in those situations (laughs) airbrush uh oh spray paint
0: you can't mix highlights with solely white and you can't mix shadows with solely black because that's just not good enough that's not good It's boring that's not yeah you're you're it is it is significantly better uh objectively better if you mix a certain color in with those shadows as well
1: like using airbrush or not using airbrush using dry brush is noob technique noob technique looks stupid looks bad mm-hmm. and these are rules. again these are all quotation rules yep and we're not saying them because that's our opinion we're just trying to list off some examples of them good caveat <laughs> trying to hedge myself a little bit today <laughs> Um there's how about like the actual finished product or from a, a perspective of what looks better than than other things I right, think I mean? that's all over the board yeah like the I don't know like the more realistic it is the better painted it was yeah there's this weird thing about realism mm-hmm. where realism is
0: always like the motivation for a paint scheme it's like I want to do this because it's realistic it's like wow that's not always that doesn't always produce
1: the best model Um, that was a good amount of rules yeah, I think we were just defining to give examples of what we're talking about. We're saying, why are there so many? Mm-hmm. And does it do these rules help us, hurt us, or both? Yeah, and why?
0: I feel like there's a certain kind of person that they help, and a certain kind of person that they hurt.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And the certain kind of person that they help is the person who isn't an, doesn't want to, doesn't care to be an artist, doesn't want to be an artist, doesn't want their toys to be painted, and it's easy to follow a set of guidelines. <laughs> Uh, Why'd you say it like that? I was trying to quote uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, they're guidelines. Oh, right. Uh, I can't. Remember, I can't remember the context for that. Oh, because they're uh, parley. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he asked for a parley, but then what else do they say? What is, why did guidelines come up?
1: <laughs> it's it's not a hard and fast rule. It's more of a set of guidelines. Is that what he says? I something like that. Close enough. <laughs> yeah. Don't question me. These are <laughs> these are the rules.
0: <laughs> all right uh yeah so someone who's not an artist is going to really appreciate just specific things that they should avoid or try to do to get the result that they want to get uh, because they don't want to have a a hardcore relationship with with painting and, and understand the ins and outs of why things work the way they do and why you paint things those certain ways and effects that happen that you like and how you get, to get those effects and stuff like that they want to just be given the fish; they don't want to be taught how to fish. Okay,
1: that's rules are helpful for those people. Yeah, I, well, I don't. I also think that you're probably categorizing people in that it light. That that's what they like. They're actively choosing and making that stand. They are a hundred percent are. So, some are, but not. That's
0: sure. That's more of a rarity. Just like everything in life, when I say they one hundred percent are, I don't mean every single person. I mean, yeah. I mean the majority. Yeah. there are people that sure m- might fall into the trap of the thinking these rules are hard and fast when they're trying to be more artistic and then realizing that hey I can break these rules and get different
1: and cooler results that I like yeah and it's a sliding scale you can you can start somewhere you're, you're not forever defined as being in that box yeah you can start with the rules um, and, and following those rules because it's safer and it's more comfortable yes. I think another thing that people do is they adhere to these rules because. Um, fuck! I lost my train of thought because you did something. You made us so sorry. You made a face into you, like you thought of the first thought in your head all day. One thing you said made me think of something else.
0: So this is all. This is credit to you. You mentioned rules as they relate to. People following them and then people looking at the work that you paint and thinking oh, okay this is this is painted in a way that I understand based on the rules in my head mm-hmm. so I'm curious if because of the advent of social media we have less creativity and less exploration for two reasons one because the answers are in your face mm-hmm. that's what I'm saying though. <laughs> two <laughs> two because you get judged for yeah. what you do and it's like this is not in my expectation of how things work i'm either not going to interact with it via liking it on instagram via putting a heart emoticon on it on facebook because i don't like the certain style of of painting and so because of that that less interaction that being ignored you were like man i i kind of should follow the rules because i i kind of crave this interaction this this what's the word i'm looking for not justification this uh admiration, whatever. Accept, validation. except yeah, Acceptance. Um, it's almost like, yeah, there's two big reasons why maybe people would be more creative if uh, if we didn't have Facebook and Instagram in our face all the time.
1: Yeah, that's that's the other side of that sword. The one side being you have access to so much more information to learn quicker and learn from others, especially with so many people out there so willing to share what they know. Right. Um, so you get to... Be put on a lot quicker, fast track yep. to understanding to how to how to get better and yes. how to paint like that. Yes, but then what comes with that is the is this whether you are consciously con- considering it this way or not is that in order for me to get better, they're showing me how to do that. I have to do these steps, which are in a way the rules, right? I have to do it this way to get the result to look like this person's painted. Yes, and so I have to follow those steps to get there which in art there is a beginning and then there is an end and everything in the middle to get to the same result or a certain desired result is a million variables right and so the rules uh, an understanding of the rules and why the rules are the rules I think is important but not treating them as hard and fast rules I agree. The next step. Right.
0: They're very frustrating to deal with because beginner people who genuinely want to get better at painting will hear these things and then they won't know how to get better because they're kind of stuck in a framework that they've developed from hearing it from other people. Um, and so when the answers are seemingly obvious to me, they're so confusing to other people on, on how to get improve, and how to improve. Like when someone asked me for feedback it's like look at this model and compare it to an amazing piece tell me the difference between the two there's your feedback mm-hmm. like it's hard for people to see what's wrong with their piece because they're so clouded by the process they have followed that they learned from someone else mm-hmm. as opposed to being able to step back from the piece outside of process outside of rules and just saying oh all these things are wrong with it that i can improve in the next one okay that was kind of scatterbrained um but yeah rules make it very difficult for people to exist outside of which then limits creativity and limits your ability to i think objectively look at what you've painted and uh and become better from self-critique like i don't okay this sounds stupid i don't necessarily need feedback right now because i know everything not everything but i know a lot of what's wrong with what i paint even when i yeah. try super hard right i know okay i can improve this i can improve that and I feel like that self sufficiency is could be really helpful to a lot of people because everyone craves feedback like
1: it's some magical p- drug you take or something like yeah, that that will make you better. I, I and think it will, it will, it absolutely, will. yeah, it will. Especially if there's a conversation around it. True, like like if it's just three sentences on a piece of paper or three sentences in a Facebook, you know, instant messenger or yeah. whatever, yeah, that that says things. You do this do this do this um i think that can that i mean that's not going to hurt you but having a a deeper conversation around why you're saying what you're saying and having them look at the model with you and envision how it could be different and how you could go about it and ask questions to the artist and be Mm -hmm. like how do you how do you think you could um you know, make it feel more like it's a cold evening in this scene. What do you think would that would that would do? And in thought-provoking things to get them thinking out of uh, a structured, in the lines, rule-following mindset. Yeah, to a more artistic, um, open-minded yes approach. Yes. So that absolutely that feedback is good, but oftentimes from a technical standpoint, and I'm in the same boat. I'll look at something that I painted, and I'm like, I don't like how I did this here. I can see this is an area of improvement, um, and a lot of that stuff is technical, though. A lot is like technically, I can see how this could be better. Yeah, technically, um, I see where this doesn't look as realistic as I want this metal helmet to look. Okay, but there's then a next tier above that, and that's sometimes where the feedback is much more open to interpretation. Sure, like the highest levels of painting, and people are like. Why did this one win over this one? I feel like the one that didn't win was much more hard to pull off from a technical standpoint. But it didn't win.
0: Right. Why um I kind of regret saying what I said five minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> <Rewind. Yeah. laughs> right. Okay, I'm always going to take feedback. Because um, feedback always just – because you just said this. It, it always expands – your creativity, and that's definitely true of, of of me as well. I'm not the most creative person. I don't have infinite resources to be be creative and faculties to be creative uh so any feedback from anyone is always going to expand that creativity um but you are right uh the technique kind of gets the conversation about technique gets a little muddled uh once you've kind of understood the basics mm-hmm. um there are different approaches to that stuff um and you can get different results, and I don't know what I'm saying right now um but yeah. I just want to clarify that.
1: I get you. I can yeah, that's a good clarification, too. Yeah, I can
0: definitely use feedback all uh, the time. Yeah. I'm not above it. I promise. I <laughs>
1: promise. Um, okay, so there's a couple things I wanted to dig into on this. And the first thing is the benefit of the rules. I think we need, to, we need to acknowledge that they exist. If they were here and they didn't have a benefit, they would dissolve naturally over time if the rules didn't have some sort of benefit, um, especially to what you'd consider, I don't want to say a majority, but a a large segment of the painting community. And that is um, somewhere between haven't started painting yet, but I'm kind of interested up until I'm, I'm consider myself not a beginner anymore. So there's that big window and that's a, that's a big window um, and that's a lot of people and that's where the rules are helpful because you otherwise will get deer in the headlight syndrome where you're just frozen because you don't even know how to begin or you don't know where to start or how to really be successful and you don't want to just do this and screw it up. Especially when we first start, we think every single mini that we paint is like, made of solid gold and it can't be screwed up on i really hope i don't i I don't want to screw this up and by having the rules they give us they allow us to have a little bit of confidence that we're we know just enough to not screw it up Mm -hmm. so if i follow these rules that i have to make sure i prime it first i have to make sure i thin my paint i have to make sure i wait for it to dry Mm i before i you know whatever like if i follow those rules i know i won't screw it up as bad as i probably otherwise would and so the rules are very, very helpful to, to kind of open the door to the barrier of entry and to kind of make it so you don't have to climb over the walls mm. to, to get
0: in. Okay. I want to take a look back at Beasticorn's thing just to make sure that we are
1: discovering every single avenue of this conversation. So I think where the rules in this scenario, where the rules are, are helpful... And we, we need to acknowledge their value and benefit where it gets to be a little muddy is transitioning out of that swimming pool, you know, and going into the ocean where we have these rules in the swimming pool. I'm just going to keep going with swimming pool here. That's fine. You love your analogies. Yeah. Yeah. So you start at the kitty end. <laughs> it's a little bit warm because there's a lot of pee in that. end, <laughs> Right. And then it goes two feet, four feet, six feet deep. Now, you're learning to swim through this whole time in the pool, right? But you've got the barriers. You have the walls. You've got the floaties. The so You're floor, safe. You're still standing. Yeah. You're not swimming at all. Yeah. yeah. You know, you're, you're, you have the rules in place to ensure that you won't screw it up. And by screw it up, means you drowned, right? <laughs> you oh, don't want to drown in my first mini paint, right? So what we realize most of us do at some point, and if you're listening and you haven't realized this yet, wow. You get this for free. Did you stop people to bow? Just pow. Oh, pow. Okay. thought you were like, bow down. And bow. <laughs> Here it is. There's an ocean. It's like a swimming pool, but it doesn't have any walls. And it's just outside your Fort Lauderdale penthouse suite. It's The beach is right out there. And once you realize that the swimming pool it's just a small piece of water, and there's an endless ocean of water with no rules out there if you want to take the risk with the big waves. And that means the security of the walls, the security of the rules, don't, you don't have to adhere to them anymore out in the ocean. But it's a little bit more daunting if you're willing to take the risk. Thank you, and good night. <laughs> Let's put that on a motivational poster. Let's put that
0: in every workspace in America.
1: <laughs> it's just a kitten hanging by a clothesline.
0: Swimming pools. <laughs> John
1: Ninus. <laughs> uh, so, what do you think? Do you think the swimming pool analogy with rules and the ocean is is that next step? And it's hard to get out of the pool. You know, it's like you. Uh, I all I know is the pool, but there is something else. And it allow. It makes. It requires you kind of shed the rules in order to to take advantage of what could be. If I had some feedback for your swimming pool analogy? Yeah, give it to me. It's great.
0: Okay. I mean, it makes perfect sense. All right. We're going to go with this. And everyone's understanding
1: it right now. I I hope so. (laughs) I hope so. Now, if you never want to get out of the pool and go to the ocean, there's nothing wrong with that. And you can become an amazing mini painter in the pool. I think. Okay. I think there's a lot of really good mini painters that... Follow are in, follow all the rules um okay okay but i i, I think the probably the catalyst for Beastacorn's corn's question is like why do we why do we have all these and why do we adhere to them and i I, I think I answered that yeah right. it's a lot less scary yeah and you we it's required for us to for most of us to have some level of of guidelines to help us enter into something new. As humans, that's how we are in all things. It's just like you're not going to just give you your driver's license and feel comfortable merging out of the highway if you haven't first done the parking lot time with mom and dad and there's no other cars around. Sure. It's, it's, a, it's a much more structured space, safer space to learn. Yeah. It makes me
0: want to make a video where I am talking exclusively at people who haven't painted a miniature before or painted one miniature before. just walk them through all the emotions that I feel like they're going to feel be like hey this model is not as important as you think it is and it's going to suck by the end of you painting it that's totally okay let's just do it anyways (laughs) uh and just kind of like just tell them what it's going to be like you know your model's not not going to look as good as mine it's not going to look as good as anyone else who has more experience painting at that point and that's okay you're going to get better just do these things and then you can have some areas that where you can expand their imagination a little bit be like, okay, this isn't a rule. You can look into exploring this category, or you can have like hard, rigid stuff in other categories.
1: It feels like it should be a series called "The Hobby Therapist," where like you're the <laughs> therapist and you're like helping them through these situations. I area that I thought you were going to go with that was that you're going to have like four people that never painted a mini before, and you were all you were going to give each one of them a different number of rules. Person A, you gave no rules, no explanation, no nothing. From person B, you him, you said these two things. Make sure you prime it first and you know use acrylic paints. Person C, you, you gave those rules plus two more rules. And then person D, you gave all those rules plus two more rules. And then see how that affected the product at the end. Did that, it. That's a cool video. It's a cool video. Let's do that. Uh,
0: the the only issue with it is that you can't make four identical human beings. Right. You, so well,
1: could, how much is already inherent to those people?
0: I could pick my sister for the person to give no rules to, who's already a very good illustrator um, and has artistic talent. She's a photographer by trade. So she understands things art-related. And then I can give a bunch of rules to my wife, who... Is not interested in miniature painting or, in, I mean, she's interested in like watercolor and stuff. So that wasn't the best example. But someone who's not artistically in- inclined, and if I gave them no rules, they'd flounder way more than my, like my
1: sister or someone mm-hmm. who's inclined already. Um, they have a level of comfort in an artistic space. Yes. And probably some experience in understanding the medium in terms of using paint. Hmm. I think just having more hours, you know, clocked in using any kind of paint using a paint brush that kind of thing like that's not to be underestimated in terms of lack of getting overwhelmed early on okay there's a little bit more comfortability there so that's why i think that's why those rules are in place is because a lot of us enter this with not a lot of art background and so it all it all the details can quickly become overwhelming okay um it's the same reason why they make 350 colors in their paint line is right because, because they sell and they're convenient and people who yeah yep it's this it's you know it's easier barrier entry for me to see the paint on the rack or ask someone in their painted scheme what color did you use because i like the look of that and just grab that um it's lowering that bar that barrier of entry to actually get them with paint on brush sure
0: the problem I have with this conversation is I feel like it's just a, the 17th way we've said something already in this podcast. Is it? I feel like it is. Everything you're saying is 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 correct and just accurate. said it before. We said it before, though. And I don't want to bore the spruits and spruettes. Are you bored right now, spruds and spruettes? Let us know. I don't hear anything. Come on, man. Okay, so what if you find yourself in a situation where you're like, hey, I'm a rule follower, and I want to try to not be so much of a rule follower, which mm-hmm. there's, that's not the right thing. And, you know, there's no right or wrong here. We're just saying if that's where your mental space is at and you're like, I want to try to break some rules. How do you go about breaking some rules? Where do you start? Where do you start breaking the rules? I think the first thing is that you just find a rule, target it, and then test it to see if what you think is a rule is
1: actually a rule. Mm-hmm. Maybe that maybe a little little deeper than that is why is it a rule why why is it in place because what is it set to achieve because it exists okay so gotta prime your mini first is a rule because if you don't prime the mini then the paint won't stick to it your successive other coats won't stick to it right so that's why we have to do it true but what if the paint does stick to it this kind of plastic or resin, or whatever, then did I need to prime? Maybe I didn't. Maybe that rule doesn't apply if I got this whole big uh, board game and it came with 400 minis. Let me test one without primer. Let me test one with primer. What was the painting experience like for both? Because if I got 400 minis and I learned that breaking the rule with the primer is possible, think of how much time and paint I've saved by not having to prime it
0: yeah but let's at first let's also test test so you should test that primer does give more grip to your paint before right. you go and paint 400 board game miniatures and then realize six months down the road that your greasy dorito fingers are wiping paint off your miniatures and <laughs> not grabbing it by the base
1: yeah because you're an animal
0: yeah anyway animal the base exists for
1: a reason people <laughs> um uh, there's one that uh i just learned of recently my buddy he uses uh, metallic Sharpie markers to paint miniatures. He there's fine-tipped alcohol pen markers that he uses to paint miniatures. They Specifically, metal stuff though, like weapons
0: and stuff, or the whole miniature. The whole
1: miniature. Yeah, you paint the whole miniature, and actually, that some of them have really fine tips that you can pretty distinctly clear areas. And then he does uh, like a custom wash at the end. And so at the end, it he, he gets all in all the recesses to separate everything. Are you for real? Yeah. It's really a thing he uses. And I, I was over to his house and I saw him and they look pretty good. So oh. we have to use a paintbrush to paint minis as a rule. Well, i always thought that
0: my mind's being blown right now.
1: What if you just do it with markers
0: at the end of the day, you are kind of painting because it's a felt brush tip pen, right? Right. It's, it's just, just a convenient brush that has an infinite supply. Okay, nearly infinite, not nearly, but seemingly infinite supply of paint in it. Yeah, you don't have to just put
1: paint from palette to brush to brush to mini, and like, you can blend with it. Yeah, you can do it if if you build it up. I might I might pick up a set of alcohol and
0: try that for a vid. Thanks, John's friend. What's his name? Kyle. Kyle, you're the man, Kyle. Yeah. Interesting idea. I've I've been aware of felt tip pens in miniature painting for some time because people use them to do eyes or to panel line sometimes Mm -hmm. or to to do, you know, very, very accurate focused tasks. So, yeah. But the whole miniature, though, I've never thought of that. Yeah. So
1: there we go. That's that's a rule. Why is it? Why does the rule exist? Well, because these are little sculptures and you put paint on sculptures and the paint will stick and it will be vibrant in color. And that's why we use paint. Okay, well, what if something else could achieve that same goal and and didn't follow those rules? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, a lot of this stuff with rules, it feels like to me, it's like I kind of overthinking it, too. Like, I don't go about the way I paint um, ever asking myself those kinds of questions. Right. I... You have to be in a certain headspace to be asking those questions. Yeah, yeah it. And for most of us, when you get time and you're excited to hobby and you get time to hobby, you want a hobby. You don't want to, oh, what kind of experiment can I run to figure out, do I need to prime my minis or not? It's like, no, it's a rule. I want to paint stuff. I'll make sure it's primed so I don't get it all screwed up later. I just want to focus on what I want to focus on. To me, where this comes into play in, a, in an actual real-world scenario for me as a painter is looking at a desired outcome. This is what either in my head or from my reference photos or from seeing somebody else's work that I really like and I want to copy it, this final outcome. Here's the outcome. Let's not worry about the rules that they took to get there. What are the rules for you know this kind of scene from a, a picture that I am using as a reference photo for my diorama? Let's not worry about how it got there. Let's look about, let's worry about what is it? What do I see? How do I think I, from my toolkit or not yet established toolkit, um, how can I try to make that happen? And not worry about the rules to, that it took to get there. Just think about how can I achieve it? And that's where I feel like for most of us where you can leave the rules behind is to not worry about them, but to really, really think about what you want to achieve and go with it what what does your gut tell you to try to do that listening to your
0: inner voice Mm.
1: (laughs) (laughs) and that's tough too because you need a lot you need some reps and you need some experience and you need to know what some of the rules are oftentimes to help you make that educated decision about how would i go about this okay right so yeah
0: this is the difficult part for me you're saying these things And you're saying it from the perspective of John, who has some time under his belt painting. And it's like, listen, newbie, just listen to your inner voice. (laughs) And it's like, they don't have an inner voice that's strong. So, okay, I'm arguing with you right now. Oh, gosh. I feel like from a beginner's perspective, they're going to be like, John, if I just take a miniature and listen to what my gut thing is, it's going to turn out like trash. Like, that's what they're thinking right now. Because, like, I have no idea where to go. And I experience this all the time when I'm giving feedback to people. People will say... Scott, give me feedback, and I'd be like, "Okay, what do you think is wrong with this?" And I'm like, "I have no, fi- I have no idea what's wrong with it." So I just feel like people—it's very difficult to kind of just surmise stuff. And in sure. this case, surmising a, an approach to to painting—that's um, my argument against
1: you. Yeah, no, I think that's that's a solid argument. <laughs> Scott. You're just like, "Oh yeah, <laughs> that's a great idea." Uh, let me tell you why you're wrong. <laughs> yeah like I don't I think that if if somebody you ask them what they think of their mini and they say what they think is wrong with it what they think they can improve on, and they say, oh, I just don't know, then your response should be, I think you need to give us a little more effort to look at what's wrong with it. dig deeper, yeah, because I feel like it's just easier to say, you know, I don't know' Sure, it is. I understand. You know, yeah. Like, it, it's so simple to just let's, okay, let's go on Instagram and click on an amazing painter and click on any one of their minis and click on the picture and look at that picture next to your mini. Okay. When you want to say to yourself, what could I, what did I do wrong? What could I get better at? Look at something that's really, really well done. And then side by side, you'll have a list of 10 things. Yes or three things or one thing or 50 things but you'll have it and I think that that's the active thought process of like I don't think people really can't see I think you just need to help guide them to what to look for
0: yeah it, this is yeah it's coming back to teaching a man to fish as opposed to giving him the fish um, giving him the keys uh, what else is it like giving them? Uh, giving them the sub sandwich yep yeah, giving him the sandwich instead of making them a sandwich I'm not clear Hey, what? That, made, that made no sense. You can teach a man to, to make, make a sandwich. sub sandwich. You can give a man a sub sandwich or you can teach a man to be a sandwich <laughs> artist. Oh, gosh. This is this is deep cuts. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, so John, what is John John saying here is he's saying that people need to be pushed a little bit for the sake of improvement sometimes. Uh, so you, you can't just take no for an answer. You know, someone's like, I have no idea what's wrong with it. Okay. Well, let's look at your piece next to someone that you like side by side. And you tell me what's different. Okay. Unless you're, I'm not going to say unless you're blind, unless you're blind, you, you, you will find at least one thing that's different, whether it's contrast or how they highlight highlights or the smoothness of their blends. Like, well, you're going to find one thing. Um, and, uh, but, but, okay. So that was in regards to, to feedback, but earlier you were like, someone should, you should look at. Reference piece, and then just sur- surmise how you're going to paint a model. And I think that's more difficult than it feedback. Is. Yeah, because when someone looks at a piece by Sergio Calval Rubio, they're like, I have no freaking clue how he got to that end result. Right. Um,
1: who's a Who's a beginner? Unless you watch it step by step. Um, yeah, and that's where I think you you you're in the swimming pool, and you absorb the information by learning about how people paint like this how does this person achieve this way and this how does this person paint that this way how does this person do this kind of technique and soon your swimming pool is filled with other swimmers okay Okay, <laughs> <laughs> But eventually, if you're going to go to the ocean, you would be like, all right, well, I know that Billy back there, he taught me how to do the backstroke. So in this situation, if I'm out in the ocean and it's calm and it's not big choppy water, I'm not going to get water in my mouth if I do the backstroke. So I'm going to do backstroke. Yeah, but okay. Billy uses freaking inflatable wings. He's, well, he's a yeah, don't. I mean, that's why you, you you don't put all your eggs in one Billy basket. <laughs> you get a lot of painters. You learn a little bit from how they do things. And if you get a little experience testing a little bit about how they did things, try it their way, try it a different way, how somebody else does things. Yeah. Try the, you know, this way, this person does non-metallic metal. And then, well, I'm going to try it a little bit different like this guy. And then like this gal. And then when I get to the point where I'm going to be able to go in the ocean, and when I say, just look at it, how do you think you want to achieve it? You'll, you'll turn to one of those varieties of ways that you've, learned and you've tested and you've tried and it may be because one of them you feel you're better at doing it this way or maybe you have more experience with it or maybe it's like i see that and i think doing it this way with the loaded brush to do the metallics would be more efficient or or in my head it feels like it would be a better way to do it than if i just did layer on layer and layer sure so you're you're taking the bases of rules and You're not holding hard and fast to them in any given situation. You're not being beholden to those rules in order to create what you want to create at the end. And I think that we're talking about, like, why is this so different from, or is it different from, or traditional art forms? I don't think it is. I think that there's a lot of those rules in traditional art forms as well. But what's funny is, especially I feel like this is a common thought process or way to look about it from people in our hobby is we focus on the artistic and expression and um like evocative nature of art as onlookers but we look at our own form of art mini painting from a much more technical standpoint we focus on the technical for ours we focus on the artistic expression for the others okay I feel like that's often what we do because we're not knee deep in that, that system. So we don't look at that Picasso and think about how he technically achieved it. Cause we're not worried about that. We're just worried right. about how it, how, what it, it evokes from us as the viewer. But because we're all artists of this craft, we're focused on the technical side of it. Okay. If we all were going to art school and we're in the same oil painting class, think about how differently we would look at that Rembrandt mm-hmm. because we'd be looking at it from a different lens. So I don't think we should dwell on the rules in mini painting in a negative light too much. Cause I think all art forms have a basis of these rules and foundational skills. Um, but how do we create a piece of art that someone that's not in the hobby would look at and say, wow, not worry about the rules and how it was done, but just by viewing it, it evokes something. And even if it's, that's a sweet spaceman. <laughs> Thank you. This is the end of chapter two. <laughs> <laughs> you, could
0: do, you could do an audio book. I'd listen to it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, something else I wanted to say about. Uh, that's just because you're almost falling asleep right now. <laughs> I am very tired uh but i heard what you said and one thing that i took away from what you said is if you're in the ocean not everything needs to be an experiment you don't gotta you don't gotta try all the crazy stuff sometimes you can just fall back onto your toolkit and use those things experiment in some areas and not in other areas enjoy that that you're
1: enjoy that you're in the ocean yeah i do that all the time right like look (laughs) i know base coat shade highlight from the swimming pool i remember that yeah now that i'm in the ocean I could still do that if I feel in it today. If I feel like that's the way that I can make this look good, I don't have to. Right. Just whatever, whatever, one, wherever I want to go with it.
0: Yeah. This is so scatterbrained. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, <laughs> but not what you're saying, but I, I want to jump back to the testing thing. As someone who likes to test stuff, an inclination that I could have, say, about John's primer argument is that vehicles are primed, aircraft are primed, boats are primed. Like, it, obviously, priming has value in. In some capacity for these these vehicles and whatnot, why wouldn't why wouldn't it work for miniatures? Why like, wouldn't it? And the answer is, is because your miniature is in the fucking ocean. <laughs> it's not driving outside and exposed to the elements. So the question is, is can I save time and not prime something uh, because my miniature just is not under that much duress all the time, like a car <laughs> right? is. It's not like hit, getting hit by salt uh, in the, in the winter and things like that. Um, so if you're the kind of person that you know, with, you know, thinks about like Roblox like that. Just, just see for yourself. Just test. Is there value in priming my miniatures? Does it actually affect anything? And then you go from there. I feel like a woman. <laughs> oh. You're
1: welcome. Yeah. I'm so glad <laughs> that you just, you're so glad you feel like a woman that you brought that song into my life today. <laughs> Shania. <laughs> Um. all right I think I think we we did it we beat that end boss yeah we beat the beast of corn yeah, we're, yeah. We, we'll let we'll let beast of corn determine we it we played the bone flute and tamed the beast of corn
0: the bone flute I don't like that I don't like the sound of that well that's
1: what you need to play with
0: <laughs> no <laughs> I refuse <laughs> all right moving on to some news Uh, one of me and John's favorite ranges to look at spira mirables mm-hmm. i think it's french it's not french he's definitely not french uh
1: he made uh he, he comes out with miniatures once every two months three months oh no i don't think it's that many Yeah, i think he does about four a year four a year okay once Maybe. a quarter
0: okay and whenever they come out they're always limited edition the pre-order is out for 48 hours and you can get it or not get it and if you don't get it you'll never get it sucks to suck <laughs> um, and they're always uh, not always but oftentimes they're very I don't know I don't want to call them cute because I feel like that's demeaning they're very precious they're very heartwarming pieces yeah, they're non-combative yeah they're non-violent yeah in general Uh, and so one came out it's a little minor holding a gem with a little he's animal. got a mole a mole that's what it is
1: in his arm and it's cute as crap
0: yeah and by the time this comes out and you hear this it's going to be too late right So, but but now that you know about it, spira spira what's the guy's name lucas Pena. ah lucas Pena. pinochet he is
1: french i think that's spanish okay pretty yep. sure but
0: <laughs> anyways now you know about him so just be aware of him follow him on facebook and he'll let you know when a thing comes out and you can pre-order john
1: pre-ordered it yep because i had uh fomo from the last couple of his right i was like I, i'm like uh None of his stuff, like I just like bend over backwards, like oh, I love that. <laughs> but all of his stuff is just so interesting. Like the, he, as a sculptor, is just insane. Like the the level of character and a level of of quality of all the details and textures and and shapes and everything. It it's very. Uh, it 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 feels like it was sculpted by a human. It doesn't feel like it was drafted. Through ZBrush, right, and it was he
0: sculpts them by hand with yeah. with uh, the baking kind of clay and stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the baking
1: kind of clay, <laughs> whatever that clay is, he using tonight. Um, Mother. but yeah, it's it's pretty. It's really cool that it's he has a window open and like he makes an announcement on Instagram, he makes an announcement on Facebook, and. The site is open, you can order, and when it's closed, it's closed. And however many, he's not limited to, like, if 7 million, I mean, that's probably an over exaggeration, 7,000 people ordered his model, he'd make 7,000 and ship them out to you. And that's it. But there's never been a second run of any, any model he's ever made. Which is a shame because I want that freaking Goblin King. <laughs> that big, fatty Goblin King. If you have the Goblin King from Spira, I will buy it. <laughs> you get in contact with me. He is pretty sweet. He's got all the little tiny goblins all around him. He's got little tiny goblins, and he's so fat. He's so fat.
0: Uh, But yeah, great brand, cool model. I'm still deciding if I want to get it. I kind of
1: want to just get it to have one, and it looks cool. It looks good. Yeah, as of this, you've got, like, maybe four or five hours left. Oh, God. I'll just buy it. All right. Hit me with the next bit of news.
0: All right. In other news, there was a Kickstarter that I backed called Instant Paint by... Scale seventy five, and it's their answer to Games Workshops Contrast Paint as an alternative to it. And I bought the whole thing not because I needed it, not because I wanted it, but I wanted to make a comparison video between that and Contrast Paint. A little bit of clickbait, you know. You know, it's going to be a good topic for a video. It's going to get some good views. Yeah. Uh, so I would recommend buying it. But recently, like over the last, over the this weekend or the end of this last week. There was a, uh, uh, as large of a controversy as miniature painting Kickstarter controversies have, barring Nazi pilot ones. Uh, <laughs> also scale 75. Also scale 75. <laughs> Shocker, no. Uh, there was a kind of a controversy about shipping prices. Apparently, they were way higher than they should have been for this particular weight of stuff. And if I'm being honest, I didn't even look at the cost. I kind of <laughs> went, boop, 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 boop. And then I was like, okay, off my day, whatever I was doing. Probably playing video games. Uh, no. Yeah, but, probably. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I didn't really look at it, but a lot of people were outraged and they commented on whatever they can comment on on a Kickstarter campaign saying like, you need to figure out a better solution for shipping because it should not cost as much. And Scale75 put out a, a update on the Kickstarter trying to explain why it costs that much. And apparently, that just added more fuel to the fire. Oh no. Made more people upset. Um, and then they released another thing a second thing the next day uh apologizing saying their intent was not to further make people upset and by upset like people i read some of the comments on the on the post and it was just like you're doing something wrong if it costs this much they weren't like there wasn't outrage
1: right um but they're they're stating here's a way you can improve right you need to look into other options
0: yeah so what i'm gonna assume is that a few people probably reached out to scale 75 in a in a negative way and that very very small minority is like making them feel the need to kind of tiptoe around like on eggshells and make sure they're you know not upsetting anyone so they put out another letter saying okay here's the deal with the shipping this is why it's happening we didn't want to make you mad with the last one sorry that happened like they're I feel like in the wake of their last Kickstarter, maybe they're trying to be a little bit more politically correct or like more mindful about how the audience perceives them and stuff like that. Maybe because uh, like I feel like they were kind of overdoing it.
1: Oh, uh, that's well, my, that's my impression. They're like, look, guys, we already we had swastikas on the bottles of the labels. Swasticals. We we took them off. You didn't even get to see them. They were gonna be they were gonna be great. We took them off because <laughs> we knew you wouldn't like it for this paint. Uh, so, why are you giving this crap about the shipping? Oh, on the instant paint box? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's just like, part of the logo is, like, instant, but instead of a T, it's just a swastika. <laughs> okay, they weren't, They did not do that. Uh, <laughs> Don't listen to anything John I say. making shit up right now. <laughs> <laughs> it goes back to their Kickstarter page, and they're like, where's
0: the swastika pictures? Uh, oh, my gosh. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. no. All right, what's the last bit of news,
1: Johnny Boy? Uh, also Kickstarter-related, I wanted to share some of our, uh, Our Adepticon buddies that we have met Mm -hmm. over the years, Mr. Sean Sutter Mm -hmm. and Malev, Mm -hmm. the Shinobi, Mm -hmm. um, they have got a Kickstarter going. I mean, Sean does. Sean does, yeah. Sean is the creator of a game called Relic Blade. Relic Blade. Which is a badass skirmish fantasy game. Would you call it badass or just good? It's funner and heck. Modern uh, yes. heck. The system is fantastic. Yes, yes. The system is fantastic. The customization, the 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 way that you can equip. Your characters and it's all point based. Typical battles are hundred points, but like you can add different spells if you get a spellcaster mm-mm, that costs a few points, mm-mm, and you can mm-mm. add different great sword to your paladin, and and it's um, so it's so so many details. It's, yes, so specific. I love it. Yeah. yeah, there's a there's a lot of really fun details. A lot of different factions to play, and that this new Kickstarter, um, they really they reached a a goal that they are adding a cooperative rule set for the game so you can play together and fight the enemies instead of just playing against each other so i'm excited for that um as of the uh as of today when this podcast goes live i believe there's about three or four days left on the relic blade kickstarter shame yeah so you've got a couple days yet to still Back it if you like. Oh, when this comes out, there will be three days left? Yeah. Oh, that's good. Okay. Yep. I just, that's what I was looking at when you were doing the instant. Oh, okay. I was, I was like saying, shame. The fucking ant on the table, <laughs> crawling up my hand. We just slew an ant. Because uh, we don't even. You don't even care. You don't even care. Screw yeah. um So yeah, when we went to Adepticon, uh, Sean had a booth, a Relic Blade booth. Yes. And we got to see that. We got to meet him. Super nice
0: guy. Did you see that? So you put this Kickstarter in the notes and I looked through it. I watched the video for the Kickstarter. The guy is the most wholesome people. Yeah. He spends the first like three minutes of the video, which is seemingly the most important part, talking about how the coronavirus sucked and it canceled everything. And so he wanted to make something fun for everyone to do. And I was like. What a nice guy!
1: Yeah, <laughs> he just he is the nicest dude. If you go on the the um, Relic Blade Facebook group, like he's there like all the time, all day, every day, answering questions. Like he's answering questions himself mm-hmm. for people that are asking questions about his game. Mm-hmm. Whether it's a rules question or it's a question about the Kickstarter, or well, it's about oh, wouldn't it be cool if you made this kind of mini or whatever? And he's the dude that answers them. And he's just like oh, that's a great idea. And he's just honest. He's like that's a great idea. I got a lot of different stuff. That's a good idea. I'm, I wrote it down in my notebook. Like dude dude how cool is that dude support good people support good game systems yeah so check out that game if you're interested in fantasy and, and it's got some really cool minis um fun game and malev that paints all their studio minis it's a great painter funny dude dude you should walk you should you should walk me through a game of that do you know how to play i mostly know how to play yeah you should walk me through a game because the things I, you've said about it it, ma- it interests me. I think it's a game that you and I would probably sit down and play and have fun and not get super competitive over, because it's just kind of fun. That's that's kind that's kind of magic right there. Yeah, I mean the first game wouldn't be, and then we would be like, all right, how do I min max? <laughs> I would need my orc to be having a crossbow coming out of his butt, and so he, if he bends over, he shoots it at you, and you didn't see it coming. <laughs> weapon reused at all times <laughs> yeah. even when bending over yeah i uh, i think we'll call this this is called the butt bow <laughs> it's a custom item i'm gonna email sean tonight and him add the butt bow this weapon sounds ridiculous this sounds less like we'd be mid maxing more like we'd be happy <laughs> fun <laughs> with butt bows right uh it reminds me of that team fortress video we watched last night and <laughs> the guy's shooting sniping everyone with the bow and arrow oh, yeah the yeah. butt bow
0: yeah Dude, star. Yeah. <laughs> star in German. Uh, uh, that's a
1: good video. All right.
0: So that's our newsy news for today. Welcome to the end of the podcast. Thank you for sticking with us this entire time and having us assault your ears with our rambly,
1: tired, garbage speak. Yeah. You have like, you, your sweat smells like buffalo sauce mm. and Jagermeister. Better than sweat. It's like sweat. <laughs> rather that than B.O., right? No, it's a
0: combination of B.O. and Y.A. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I (laughs) I, I got that. (laughs) Let me check. Uh, If you guys like this podcast and you want to support it, there are a number of ways that you can do that. Uh, One way is by buying merch, which you can see me wearing the trapped under plastic. Uh, That's not our jingle. Not Uh, at all. No, not at all. Uh, Our sweater. We also have a T-shirt and a female T-shirt. If you want to check it out, link's in the uh, show notes in the description. Also, you can support us on Patreon. And you get a number of things for being a patron of the show. One is access to an extended episode, which is about 30, 20 minutes longer, sometimes more. I think it's going to be more this time.
1: Yeah, I spend a lot of time talking about how to clean an airbrush. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: and like arguing over the semantics of it. Yeah. Uh, there's, that's one thing. You get the option to uh, submit your miniatures uh, for feedback during an episode.
1: Uh, and also... We talk about some miniatures that we have found um that other people have painted and we share them with you and why we really like them and also we talk about uh things that we experimented with in the past
0: week and if we if they worked and if they didn't work oh, i feel man. like i just said the thing that you said oh again no you said the thing that we, we talk about miles that we like oh in the community other painters that's what you said and then i said something else We are in a rough shape right now. Right. Uh, So let's end this thing as soon as we can. We will catch you guys on the... Rippity-flop.